honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. If I have a pre- big presentation tomorrow, my hypervigilance tells me I got to prepare for this, you know, so much to the point that I can't even sleep for three days. So vigilance is good. I don't know if anyone would say that hypervigilance to the point of not sleeping in preparation for a major event is a beneficial tactic, right? So it's just, it's too much. And it's a negative at that point. Restless. I mean, so yes, restless makes me get up and do things. Sometimes that means I'm being productive in a moment, but restless also means I maybe don't enjoy my vacation with my wife on my couple weeks a year that I used to get off or restless means I just, I can't be present in the moment and enjoy what beautiful things are happening around me, you know? So that one may impact more of my happiness and my stress level. And and so having a hold of these, most of us are subconsciously on autopilot doing these. We're traveling down them in in the forms of habits so often that they're like four lane highways. And then on the flip side, when we face challenge and adversity, this ability to shift and go down a route that's much more calm, clear-headed, and laser-focused is like a two-lane dirt road. We very rarely do it. Every once in a while, we'll surprise ourselves, and someone will say, man, you really handled that with, you know, in a very different way than you used to. You know, But how can you start to realize, I can start to make the four-lane highway this method, right? Yeah. Where I don't get hijacked by all these things that cause me negative emotions and stress. Oh, by the way, it's not always you that it causes, right? If you've got a major controller or a major judge, sabotaging tendency, ask people that you work with or that you love or you care about how those things are affecting them, whether they think you have a little bit of a problem, right? So, cause I, I, I talked to some controller tendency people and they tell me, Hey man, I'm controlling is what gets things done. And, uh, people really appreciate that I take control. And I said, but if you really ask them what they think about <laughs> that control, right? I mean, it's people again, getting places in spite of yourself, people putting up with you in spite of your flaws. And we're all imperfect. So this is a, it's just an awesome way to just put down the facade, man. I worked in a, you know, in commercial America for 12 years and people are literally afraid to say what their weaknesses are. Hmm. In fact, I, I couldn't even get people when they would interview with me some people couldn't even give you an answer of like what their areas of opportunity are because they think that's such a weakness. Well, that needs to be the flip side. The person that can get up and tell you, this is what I do on a daily basis to know these are my three major issues that I do under stress and adversity that I'm hyper-focused on on a daily basis to try and mitigate. Yeah. That's the guy I'm hiring or the girl I'm hiring because that is not the norm, Yeah. right? Dude, you mentioned a lot in there. Um, and I want to go back to a couple things. First, um, you said things. And if I look back yeah. at um, a lot of my peers when I was young, like, they loved, let's say, basketball. And I was a big writer, you know? And if you look at basketball, I can shoot a thousand free throws, I know I'm gonna get better, right? I could shoot, um, or I could work on my footwork, you know, I know I'm gonna get better. I can work on my um, power cleans, I'm gonna jump higher, whatever it is, you know? There's an actionable plan that I can take to get to where I wanna go. That's right. Writing, it's it's a lot harder. 
Right. Right. Even when I transitioned to 3D modeling, you know, like there wasn't really a plan. How do I get better at this? Because there's so many different things. Right. And we're talking about mental fitness. Like what are those things that we can do to get better? Because a gym, you know, I'm going to pump. Yeah. I'm going to work. Okay. I feel something. I'm going to go like whatever, whatever the reasons that are people that get it. You know, like what are those things that I can do? Yeah. If you want to, what you want to do is for all that preparation that you want to do to, to be successful in a sport or as an entrepreneur, as an artist, you need to be ready for your moment, right? Mm. That's what you prepare for. That's what you practice for and, yeah. and study things for in your profession about. And so it's all about how well you can perform under pressure or when there's adversity and challenge and how well you recover when you fall down. That's also an X factor. And so that is the essence of what mental fitness is. And in order to, to actually improve that, you need to hit it from three angles. And most people, if they're doing anything for some mental relief, they're probably only doing it under like one arm. Right. So three angles that we kind of really believe in and, and are trying to help people on is first thing you got to do is you got to know what are the things that you typically do under stress and adversity that you lean on. Those are your sabotaging habits. Step one, you got to learn how, what they are so you can intercept them. Otherwise, you're on subconscious autopilot. And before you know it, the event's done. And now you're just going, what happened? Yeah. You know, why did I not do it? You're trying to figure it out. So that's number one. By the way, that's an X factor skill in any interpersonal interaction, because I not only am, am hyper aware of my sabotaging tendencies, but I can start to label and identify with discernment and empathy what yours might be. A customer, someone, an important relationship, whatever it is, right? You start to see people and you don't, and you don't start judging them, which is the number one habit we all have. You start to go, oh, okay, they have a controller tendency or this person's got an avoider, so I'm gonna work with that, right? I'm gonna keep mine at bay, but I'm also gonna work with theirs. So it gives you this kind of like this Jedi advantage in intense or in important interpersonal interactions. So identifying and intercepting them is number one. Number two, it's the, everyone knows I shouldn't be frustrated and having the glass half full is the better way to go through my daily life. You know, I don't think anyone sa says wakes up in the morning and says, man, I really want to be miserable today. That's going to be good for me. Mm. How you actually do this is not as easy. Knowing I shouldn't be frustrated and then not being frustrated in the moment is something that requires strength or fitness, right? And so you have to practice your mind's ability to have self-control and self-command. So this is a little bit of kind of beating the addict kind of behavior because we're essentially addicted to going down one type of a knee-jerk response under stress, and we're trying to shift that into another. So what we do from a hyper-practical way is we teach people how you can practice with your senses, any of your five senses, sight, vision, hearing, smell, touch, and you can actually, by focusing on any one of your senses for 10 seconds, that sounds a little silly or gimmicky, but being able to do that, if you and I were talking right now or in a big conference room or in the middle of a fight with someone, allows you to experience all the same benefits that people go to meditation and mindfulness for, which is a calming, a quieting of your brain chatter, a calming of your body, lowering of cortisol that's spiking through you at that moment so that you can now start to shift your brain into a more clear, calm, focused perspective. And so as simple as rubbing two fingertips together with such intention that you can feel the ridges of your fingertips or tasting that cup of coffee instead of mindlessly just drinking it, yeah. really focusing on the temperature and the taste of that, of that sip of coffee. In whatever you're doing, doing that for 10 seconds requires mental strength. If you try it, you'll realize, wow, this is harder than I thought depending on how busy your day is or how stressed you are. But doing that on a regular basis is one of the ways we practice that self-control component. 
And then number three is once you do those two things, these are sequential, right? You have to intercept the sabotaging tendencies, shift your brain into a positive, calm perspective, and now you unleash. Now it's all about mobilizing and unleashing. If you're talking about something that's intellectually oriented, unleashing emotional intelligence. I think everyone now agrees emotional intelligence is pretty crucial and one of the differentiators for anything you want to do in life. It's, I don't need to read another book on emotional intelligence. I keep saying, we, we've read enough books. Yeah, we, uh, I think pe people know how to be empathetic and they know how to listen when they want to, right? So we need to figure out how we help people to actually do what they know they should do when they're in a stressed, challenging, adverse situation. And so mobilizing that, and we've really simplified that through the factor analysis um, survey and research as well, down to your five key things that all emotional intelligence competencies play off of. Our ability to explore, have empathy, navigate, innovate, and ultimately take action. If you think about those five kind of positive powers, everything that's an emotional intelligence competency is a stem from that. And so that's your three-step process. That becomes, it's the operating system, okay? Everything we want to do in life that we're studying, we're training for, our applications, and then our brain is our hardware, yeah. and we need an operating system. So when we face the moment, our moment, right, we know that these three things will ensure that we pull the right apps and use the right levers when we need to. You mentioned earlier that there's a free test on your site, and you said that you'll take it sometimes, and you're, what, six, five months into this? Well, six years into like knowing the subject, yeah, five yeah. months into being 100% immersed in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all that time, and you said there's still times where you'll take it and you're like a 50 and to be like genuinely happy, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, genuinely happy, like you're operating at normal potential. It's like a 70 or something like that. Yeah. You talk about one, that journey, um, but also like how everyone, regardless of where they are, where they are right now, they can still benefit from mental fitness. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons we don't talk about mental fitness a lot up until now is there's not a measurement scale. So physical fitness, you can measure it. You got weight, lean body mass, blood pressure, blood levels. And, and on the mental side, it's kind of all subjective, yeah. right? Uh, but that's what we're trying to help with as well. And so our, our, we have two assessments. One tells you what are your negative habits that you revert to. And the other one is the percentage of time for just the past 48 hours as a sample that, you, that your mind was serving you versus sabotaging you or how quickly you recovered from negative to positive. And you know the you don't wanna do this after vacation, you wanna do it on a normal traditional kind of challenging work week to see where you score. But to your point, much like blood pressure, which can fluctuate, um, even people that are aware and have read the subject or even teach about the subject will see themselves struggling. I personally struggle. I'll score in the 50s, which is kind of considered functioning, versus being up in the 80s, which is thriving and being in that zone. And you know, then there's folks that can go through periods of time where they're way down low and they are literally at risk for themselves and others because of how tough of a time they're having not being in this kind of negative you know, frame of mind that's causing a lot of negative strife, addiction, you know, a lot of issues. So um, it's, it's all relative and just like physical, the minute you stop working out, the minute you stop paying attention to it, it doesn't take long. Most people can fall prey to spikes in blood pressure, not being in as good a physical condition. Um, and so it's important to just know what it is, practice it daily, and then keep a thumb on it, you know, because yes, peak performance, all the research we did with 500,000 folks showed that peak potential and peak happiness, both of them, right? And we can't have one without the other because then that's not success anyhow. 
has to be at a 75, a three to one ratio of positive to negative feelings and thoughts. Most of us, if we're being honest with our average day, we're not sitting in that 75 category. Top of the scale is 100? Top of the scale is 100, but you wanna have that three to one ratio, so you wanna try and be scoring above 75 on at least a more consistent basis. And it isn't gonna happen every day, but um, if you're going through most of your days and you, you may be climbing up your corporate ladder, you may be making a lot of money, you, you know, you might have a, a beautiful family, but you may be sitting there somewhere in the 40s and 50s. You're functioning. You're leaving something on the table for yourself and for others, right? And so to your point, can anyone benefit from this? I personally believe and we believe, yes, anyone can benefit from this because even if you think you're a very positive person, you nothing's going wrong in your life, you've got it all buttoned up, things will happen that will test you. And how well you're prepared for that is important. And it's all about relativity, how well you're doing on your relative scale to potential. Is Michael, did Michael Jordan reach his potential? I don't know. Did, you know, is, is LeBron reaching his? Maybe, I mean, yes, they're the greatest, but that, that we don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, if we ask Mike, was there, were there games that you got in your own way? Maybe he'd admit that. Well, then that means he left something on the table. Can you talk to me about like the emotion side? Because if, if we're just looking at basketball, yeah, um, like I know there's times where Kobe's probably like, damn, I'm mad as hell. Or MJ's yeah. like, damn, I'm mad as hell. I'm going to yeah. fuck you up right now. You know, yeah. like, and they use that anger as fuel. Yeah. Um, like, do we have, I believe that we have our emotions for a reason, but how sure. do we know when like, okay, this is a good emotion to lean into. This is not a good relationship. Right, right. Or emotion to lean into. Yeah, because the simple, you're pointing out, you right? The simple barometer is what emotions you're feeling. To know whether you're in a positive frame of mind or a negative frame of mind comes completely down to what emotions are you feeling. Do things feel like they're ease and flow? Does the basketball hoop feel like a hula hoop? Or do things feel like you're grinding it out and it's yeah. exhausting and at the end of the day you want to just lay down, right? That, that's how you know what side of your brain and your talent you're leveraging. And, and so if you're sitting in that moment and you're trying to figure out... Um, Ask me that question one more time. I lost my train. Like, how do you know when, like, if I'm mad, if MJ yeah, yeah, is mad, okay. you know, right. how do you know which, this is a good emotion to lean into versus this is toxic for me? Right. So identifying emotions and having negative emotions is actually a healthy thing. It's a survival mechanism that we need. We need to know there's a tiger. We should run. Right? <laughs> like, that's a, that's a threatening, ominous sight. Get out of Dodge. We need to know. Very young age, that stove is very hot. When I touch it, I feel pain, therefore I remove my hand. Nobody thinks I'm gonna sit here and flirt with the tiger and nobody thinks I'm gonna keep my hand on the stove. We would know that's illogical. And so when you're feeling anger or frustration or shame or guilt or stress or anxiety, those are warning signs that you need for that moment to learn, to have discernment, right? But it's then a matter of, how do you then shift out of them and leverage something that's a positive power? And one of the positive powers is action, taking action. But you don't wanna take angry action, you wanna take laser-focused, clear-headed action, right? A black belt in the martial arts doesn't get angry or get frustrated. They use all the energy around them for their own positive benefit. And that's how they can do such amazing things with people that they can beat people that are three times as strong as them, right? And so. Yes, you want to be able to take things that you learn. You want to have be able to use discernment when you got frustrated, you felt disappointment, and you want to be fair on yourself. When you when you drop the ball, you got to know you drop the ball, right? It's not about oh well, you know, yeah. almost. I mean, you drop the ball. Here's the reasons why. Shift and figure out the positive way to not drop the ball again, right? And I think that's the framework. That's the operating system that we want to try and leverage 
so that we take the, the, the good parts of negative emotions and pain and we don't let them become something where all of a sudden we're holding our hand on the stove and skin's burning off and then that's not so helpful. Yeah. One of my, um, my favorite shows back in the day, I don't really watch it anymore, but Doctor Who, uh, which is just like a totally weird show. Um, but in an episode, I, I'll never forget it. He said um, someone was afraid and they were afraid to take the action. He's like, fear is a superpower. Yeah. You know, it's, if I think back yeah. to like my time as a triple jumper, dude, like yeah. you're on the line, like you're about <laughs> to go, you're freaking inf- afraid, dude. Like, yeah. damn, I gotta go to the bathroom. Let me take back. Like, <laughs> let me step back. I might, I might fuck up, you know? Like yeah. my team's not gonna get this amount of points if I don't do this. I'm not gonna win state. I'm not gonna go to nationals, whatever it is. Like you're afraid. Yeah. And then you run faster. Yeah. And you jump further, and you jump yeah. further, and you jump further, and all of a sudden you got a record, you know, and that fear yeah. propelled you forward. So I love what you said about just like totally cool to be mad. It's totally cool to be frustrated. Those are indicators of how you're feeling and what you should do. Yeah. It's how you learn. But like, where do you go from it? Yeah. Like, I love Kobe. I love the mental aspect. Okay, I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. Black mob. Okay, let's go. Like, I love that. Yeah. And that laser, laser, laser focus. I mean, in most things in life, if you're in a profession, the majority you're you're typically on a place where the talent is fairly equal, the work ethic is fairly. Once you get to a professional level of whatever you do, <clears throat> everyone's working the same hard. They're all using the same programs, right? And all these things. So, what's your X factor? This becomes the X factor because the person that taps into their talents twice as often, twice as quickly, and recovers from rejection and adversity and negativity twice as fast wins. Dude, and going back to your point on in, being intentional, like, I'm weird as hell. Like, if I look at video games, right, I love Apex right now. Uh-huh. You probably know what, know what that is, but like, a uh, battle royale, big game. Yeah. Like, I play a lot, mostly for, re- I call it research, um, but for research, right? Like, I want to get good. I want to run an experiment. I want to own a team one day. Yeah. You take me playing six hours. I'm intentional about it. I'll go yeah. into like, and train in a video game. It sounds weird. You yeah. take someone else that just plays for six hours. Like, I'm just playing around. I'm going to destroy them every single time because I'm intentional about yeah. it. I don't know where yeah. that came from. Yeah. What you said. You're, you're laser focused, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You are you are clear-headed. You're laser focused. And that's the spot you want to be in. Yeah. 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 So um, talk to me about you. Because I know yeah. like you, you, you pivoted um, in like a, a spot that would be scary for a lot of people to jump in and and do this, which I have mad respect for because I had no responsibility yet, dog, you know? Like it's a lot different when you're young and you jump into something. But talk to me about you. Yeah, you know, I I um, I always believed I was not gonna work in corporate America. I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I wanted to march to my own drum. I wanted to lead people in some way, shape or form. I didn't know exactly what that was gonna look like, but I just wanted to be different and do things differently. So corporate America didn't feel different, right? Yeah. So I said, I wasn't gonna do that. Uh, and so I spent several years doing voiceovers. That was kind of the first idea that popped into my head. People said, hey, you've got a unique voice. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? I took an idea and it was my first kind of attempt of taking an idea and going from conception to completion yeah. and putting out some output and getting some return, right? I mean, I spent four years doing it. My friends thought it would be cool. They'd hear me on radio or TV. That novelty wore off quickly. <laughs> Sitting alone in your boxers eight hours a day <laughs> is not the most glorious career. And, and I think it was about five or 10 years too late. What made it really easy for me as a 22 year old, still in college in my apartment in U of A to spend five grand and get everything decked out so that I could actually produce content that could go on Fox across the country um, was the same thing that a lot of people could do. And Clear Channel was monopolizing radio. And so you had this influx of jocks and radio 
personalities that would do voiceovers. So it was it was tough timing. I'm not making excuses, but that plus not loving it as I got into it made me say, okay, I got to figure something else out. Next thing I know, I'm 25 years old. And, you know, now you have bills, you know, you don't want to be dependent upon people if you don't have to be. And so I kind of went the safe route, if I'm being honest. I went the predictable route where people said, hey, you know, I, I have a, a lot of family that have been in sales. I knew of a sales organization, American Express, and selling in their payment space that was very lucrative if you were really aggressive and got, went after it. And I said, well, you know, what? I'm going to do this for a few years. I'll, I'll at least make money, pay the bills, yeah. and see what happens. And then I, and, you know, I woke up and, and a decade had passed. And I was 35 and I was, you know, running now a VP GM over there and running a big, you know, sales organization responsible for $3 billion. And I got caught up in the, in the climb. I got caught up in the, the monetary reward and, you know, a brand like American Express does everything right from a big brand perspective to keep very talented, diverse, capable people motivated. And for a long time, they did that for me as well. But what happened is as time started going on, um, there's some things that random things that happened, but I just started to lose a little bit of the passion. And that's a warning. Uh, follow your emotions. Right. But that's a warning sign for me if I'm not motivated and passionate, because I know in, at my core, I'm a passionate, motivated person. Then something's wrong with yeah. my daily dynamic. And so I really started to think introspectively about is this what I want to do? Because what I was experiencing was basically going to be my path forever forward if I didn't start to take some bold, make some bold decisions, because once you get beyond 40 years old and all that, you know, ain't, ain't nobody going to touch you that's not in that lane of commercial America um, if you want to do something creative and new, you know, or you'd have to really think outside the box. Um, on the flip side, like in the middle of that time, I, I randomly came across, I was walking down the airport, a little frustrated about not getting certain jobs I was obsessed about getting. And there was the book sitting in the airport kiosk. I passed it many times, Positive Intelligence, and why only 20% of teams and individuals reach their full potential. And it just, you know, I'm a student of growth and sales and leadership, what have you, peak performance. So it was really intriguing. New York Times bestseller. I picked it up. I thought, I'm going to read this. And um, I read it within about 48-hour period. Simple read, but it profoundly impacted me. And it just, at that moment, I knew I was reading something that was very different from the average insight-based book. It was getting so down in science-based terms, stuff that went way beyond my head at that time. But I was, you know, from a hyper-rational perspective, I was like, this is buttoned up and solid. You know, this is really talking to why people do what they do and why all the other books we're reading may or may not work. In fact, why most of the stuff we read fails at a 90% rate for most of us because of such how hardwired we are to act the same way we've always been doing. And so it was fascinating for me. It resonated with me from being an athlete growing up that got in my own way all the time. I did all the work, studied all the stuff I should study, had decent talent, had no height, but had decent talent. And I, but I did not, I never mastered the What's mindset sport? game. Played baseball and, and basketball. And um, I mean, I dabbled in everything, but those were mm -hmm. the two sports that I thought I was gonna play for the rest of my life, you know? And then by the time I was 18, I never wanted, I, I had actually taken the fun out of the games to the point where I never wanted to touch them again. Mm. And that's a shame, right? Because they're games and I was a kid and my mentality got so modeled up because of being a hyper achiever and wanting to be perfect and being a stickler about things that I literally took the fun out of them and didn't want to do them. And so, yeah, I never hit my peak potential, 
Because when you hate it, you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, so that resonated. And then immediately I'm thinking as sales and leadership, I'm, I'm in that moment. I'm, I watch people every day. So, I mean, I work with such smart, talented people, a brand like Amex, you attract a lot of them. And I watch folks that were the smartest people in the room not doing well, a lot. And I was, I was always, I'm always not just been fascinated with by people that do great all the time, but by the people that seem like they should do great, but aren't or fall off, right? And why are there slumps and streaks? Because I always said as a leader of people, the biggest thing I ever brought to the table when I was doing it well, was I helped people ride their highs and mitigate their lows, which is essentially the percentage of time your mind serving you versus sabotaging you. And if I could help in any way alleviate that, and I noticed there was a big need for that. When I was leading people, people needed that type of support and guidance all the time. Yeah. If you just started digging in a little bit, going beyond the symptomatic things of what were happening in their job and everything, you get to some rude operating reasons that things are going off the rails and you really see that people need help here, you know? And so I reached out to the author. I Googled him, you know, being the sales guy, I cold called him <laughs> and I found him, Shirzad, I, uh, you know, he was a New York Times bestseller, Stanford lecturer, lives in San Francisco. He took my call and I said, <clears throat> I'm just so profoundly impacted by your work. You know, I want to know if you're planning on doing any trainings, anything to really help people with this, not even, you know, had a great selling book. And he's, and he said, well, it's funny you say that because that's what Tony Robbins called me and told me, he said, this is the best thing I've read in 30 years. It just gets to the root cause of why people constantly get in their own way. And he thinks it was so, he thought it was so pertinent for sales, leadership, et cetera. I knew that some, this, I, at that moment between, you know, not even just the Tony comment, but just in my conversation with him, you know, you have moments in your life where you kind of get these gut feelings. And I had a gut feeling that I was supposed to have found that book. I was supposed to have felt like I was going to feel I could get a hold of him and something was going to align down the road. And I had no way of knowing exactly how that was going to happen. Um, I just maintained an authentic, organic friendship and relationship with the guy. I went through his early iterations of the trainings, which even in their rawest form were profoundly impactful for me. My wife still wishes I could go back to those first days of doing it because she just she loved seeing the, the rapid change in me, like at my whole person level. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and we now went five years forward, fat flash forward. He spent three years developing his app to kind of roll this out. Um, we've really understood that this is about mental fitness and that that I think is going to really resonate as we continue to educate people and that we have kind of the three pillars to address mental fitness, much like physical fitness is about three things, anaerobic, aerobic, and nutrition. It takes three things, right? It's not just mindfulness or meditation. It's your bad habits. And it's then having the ability to shift in the middle of the moment, not just when before or after your moment. And so we've gone into this thing together. If I, I'll be honest with you though, if I did not have this framework, when I made the decision to leave American Express 12 years in, you know, a couple years into VPGM roles, I absolutely had to get out of an emotional state in order to make this call. I would have I would have never been able to make this state as calmly as I or decision as calmly as I did unless I went through the operating system that I talk about us trying to help people with. Yeah. I took all the negative emotions of whatever might have been making me think I want to do something new out, right? I shifted myself into this positive perspective and I thought very discerningly about the pros and the cons of doing so. And in the end, that's when I knew this was something that I'm willing to do, even though it didn't feel like the right time. I'm 38, you know, I've got a two-year-old and a wife and, you know, you know, a very substa- substantial, I'm so happy. 
I don't, I won't lie to you that doing something entrepreneurial, you probably can relate to this. Yeah, most has of our guys are losing their hair, man. Yeah, we has know. its days, right? <laughs> has its days where you get up and you go, you got the mental fitness gut check of, yeah. you know, um, you know, it can be quiet in times. And I, I love the quiet because I'm an introvert. I love the ambiguity. But there are times where you've really got to make sure you stay shifted because it can, it can eat you up. If you got, if you want to do big things, you know, you got to love the journey and love the process. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you can really keep these sabotaging tendencies and those guys at bay, you know? Dude, I love all of that. I love, I love the story. I love the transition. Cause I think it's, I think that's more common than all the bullshit we hear about quit your job and start like follow your, I mean, yeah. following your passion, quitting your job. Like it's not necessarily bullshit, but when people jump into things um, early and I'm seeing it more and more now, it's like, Hey, I just quit my job. Like, and they want to high five and yeah. I don't want people to struggle in the way that I did. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't fun, you know? And yeah. I think you really, really knew yourself and you you said, you took out the motion, you looked at it objectively, like yeah. pros and cons, can I do this? And I, I, I dig that. You said, you said something in there about how when you were 18, like you took all the fun out of it, you all know? It. And you didn't have the mental. So if you could go back, oh, and I've only got a few more questions here because I, I could talk about this stuff all day, but yeah. if you could go back, like what's... What's one thing you would say? Not necessarily a framework, not necessarily something to do or whatever, but like what's one thing you would say to your 18-year-old self in terms of mental fitness? Well, maybe 17-year-old. Yeah, I mean it would have been it would have just really been sitting down with myself and helping myself realize that the harder you're pressing, the harder you're pushing yourself versus pulling yourself, mm. the worse you're going to do and really getting that point home, but then obviously needing, having the rationale that I now know yeah. and the operating system of how to do it behind that, but I would have just really made that point very clear. I mean, you know, I had, look, coaches and parents and friends, they all, they all try to help you when they see you struggling mentally and they try and say, you know, hey, shake it off, keep your head up, you know, you know, just focus on what you can't control, you know, and it just, it all makes such good sense. It's really good intent, but it's so hard to do when you're when you're wired some of these ways and you're facing stress and challenge and so it would have just been really understanding that that it's the absolute opposite like you want to you have all this energy all this drive all this desire it has to go into how much you can be relaxed and positive so that all if you can play like you're playing in your backyard with the kids on the street that you know in and out right on the biggest stage of your life then you win that's what I, when I watch, I love watching these examples today. And yeah, there's a lot of them in sports, but I think you also see it in, in commercial life. But you can see when someone's thoroughly enjoying themselves and they're relaxed. And those are the people that are dominating their, their profession. And it's not about, you know, you, you can be very focused and very driven and want to win. But it's it's that fine line. You've, you've got to be, it's got to feel more like ease and flow. Dude, I yeah. love, I love all of that. Like when I was a kid, like I would destroy anybody in the streets, like anybody. Yeah. And yeah. I loved it too. Yeah. Fuck with them too. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it about how old they were, how big they were. And I was tiny. Yeah. Like I'm 62 now. I was like five, four, like in yeah. ninth, 10th grade, I was tiny, you know? And I would get on the court as like an athlete, like Jersey, like an actual competition. <laughs> I would suck. Yeah. You know? And I couldn't play. And mentally I would get my way. I would get so bad. Yeah. And in my career, I saw that same thing. You know, I stepped on yeah. stage and I was like, damn, I was so bad. I'm getting my way. Yeah. And it wasn't until recently, like, honestly, this year, and I stepped on stage before TEDx, entire experience sucked. I was pissed yeah. off at myself. You know, yeah. I went up on stage, like, right before, like, I'm like, shit, is this going to be like when I was a kid? 
Yeah. And I was like, did all this preparation. I knew I had the talent. I knew I had the skill. You were I knew I had the, in fact, I was going to crush it. And then I fucked up and I blinked. Yeah. And I was like, this is not going to happen. Yeah. And I went on stage, you know, I didn't have my hat on. It's always a thing, you know, like I put yeah. on this persona. Yeah. And I put it on and everything went blank. And I was like, I got this, you know, and I was yeah. relaxed. It was yeah. Because like, I've done this so many times before. Yeah. And it was probably the best thing I've ever done. You know? Yeah. And I wish I could go back and just give that to myself. Yeah. But then again, like I had to go through all the steps and I had to build that fitness and that muscle. Yeah. So I love, I love that you said all that. And looking back, like I always had it. I always yeah. had something. It was just a matter of being ready to use that something. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, you figured it out right there. People do figure this out. They do eventually, some people, right? They find out, they realize, hey, I was not doing myself a favor at certain times and I need to start shifting into a different perspective. And through trial and error and a lot of grinding and falling on, falling down constantly, we do figure it out. But wouldn't it be nice if you could figure it out like sooner, earlier, easier? Uh, I mean- Yeah, that'd be real nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's done is done and they are, they're all character building. But, you know, I would just argue, you know, when it comes to like trying to inspire others or being an influencer or coaching or leading, I mean, I think we have a responsibility to try and show people how they can do it differently than what maybe we did, right? That we've learned from that. And there's that we do it in every other aspect. That's what we've done on the physical side of life. We've, we don't just wing it now. We know how to be physically healthier so that you live longer and everything. And I think we just owe it to ourselves to give ourselves more of a framework and everything so that. You don't have to go through that much struggle till you finally step on stage and realize, I need to shift. Yeah. I need to shift into this calm, clear-headed state where all my natural talent and all my preparation can come through. Agreed, you know? man. I love that. And lastly, we ask all of our guests this, what makes you strange on purpose? What about you goes against the grain? What makes you a misfit? Oh, man. I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so... Besides the fact that you've got an amazing voice from radio. Yeah. <laughs> when you are, uh, yeah... My, my, some of my close friends, when I first was hanging out with them, they said, who's your mom? I just got to meet her because I'm, I am a, if, at my core, I am, I am one quirky dude and I know it. And so maybe that's why this whole subject and all these saboteurs and sabotaging tendencies resonate so profoundly because I, I, I'm an only child. I've marched to my own drum. You have to figure out how to march to your own drum when you're an only child. We moved 12 times. So I was an only child that was always in a new environment where I was having to be around a lot of different types of people and having to be constantly put out of my comfort zone. I mean, people that, kids that grow, move a lot, know, you know, you gotta figure things out and you've gotta be very comfortable in your own skin. Um, and so I don't know that I'd consider myself, I think being different and everything is just being you, yeah. right? Like that's just the way that I kind of ended up. I saw so many different types of people, I realized that when I was having to go in new places and establish myself and get friend and find friends and, you know, prove myself in certain things that I was doing, that the best thing I could do was just be myself. And, and now I do it to the point where I drive some of my friends and my wife crazy because I'm so comfortably myself that it, that quirkiness, you know, is either humorous or annoying. Um, but that's me, man. I'm just, uh, I, I just, I say a lot of what's on my mind most of the time. And, um, yeah, I guess that's just just being very comfortable being different and doing my thing. Respect, dude. Yeah, I love. All and I've done a lot of Irish goodbyes. <laughs> that's a, that's the one thing that everyone knows about me is that I will never. When I'm ready to go, I just go. So same. You know, so no shame. Yeah, <laughs> you can't say goodbye to people, <laughs> especially if it's you know a bar scene or what have you. I've just realized 
it's just better to just ask for forgiveness the next day. <laughs> Agreed, man. Well, I love this conversation, dude. And I, for anyone that wants to learn more um, and dive into this stuff, where, where should they go? Yeah. So, I mean, I think if I were anyone that has any level of interest in this whole concept because they want to improve their performance or be more happy and less stressed, it'd be about, you know, we do, we offer free assessments on purpose that our whole the essence of our subject, our company and everything is generosity. It's changing people's lives. And so the first step is come and do free assessments. Just see where you're at, yeah. right? See and, and see if these things don't nail you and look at the thoughts and the feelings and the justification lies that you tell yourself about why you act this way, these habits. Um, I think you'll find it intriguing at the very least. And so that's a great place to start. And we've got other info on our website and I'm, you know, I've got stuff on my LinkedIn and everything that be happy to connect with anyone and anyone that's watching your stuff or likes your stuff you know we work out something for them if they really want to dive in a little bit deeper 